This morning, if you would open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 20, we will back up a little bit to uh, where we ended last week, and we will pick up in verse 19 of chapter 20 this morning. The, it's, the message this morning could be uh, three sermons in one, uh, but I promise I'm not going to keep you here till two, just one thirty. Anyway, no, uh, there's it, it, it could be three sermons in one, but um, uh, there's just a lot to unpack here together this morning. And uh, as is our normal, our normative practice is to preach through a book of the Bible and our current study that began some. Uh, 10 months ago uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, that is where we just land, and so uh, we're picking up right there. Um, first, what we'll do is we will pray, then we'll read the passage for our consideration this morning, and then we'll dissect the passage uh, more deeply, making some observa- observations and app- applications as we go. So let us first pray. Father in heaven, this morning we desire that your will be done. We desire that your kingdom come. We ask that as we look at your word this morning, that you would give us grace. Grace that our minds would be enlightened. Grace that our hearts would be inflamed. Grace that our will would be engaged. We desire here this morning to be more than hearers of your word, but to be doers. We pray for the blood-bought believers that will gather this morning in all the area churches, specifically at Old Town this morning. We ask, Lord, uh, for them to be taught well. We ask that they would be moved to your kingdom purposes. We pray this morning for Jesse Wildman's sister, uh, Leanne. We pray uh, for her healing, of course, physically for her broken pelvis. But Lord, uh, most of all, we pray for her heart to be softened, to receive the good news of Jesus Christ for her. We pray for her recovery, Lord. We lift up Pauline this morning. Uh, We just ask for your continued healing for her, for her recovery. We pray that you would strengthen Jim Crawford this morning as he loves his wife and uh, helps her in this process, Lord. We ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a will conform to your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as you are able, and if you are able, would you please stand with me for the reading of the holy scriptures this morning, the God-ordained, God-inspired word of God from the Gospel of John, we will get, begin in chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being unlocked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, 
called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Our passage ends, the section I just read, the end of this passage today, it ends with a purpose statement. It is the purpose of John's gospel. The statement is the purpose of the preaching this morning. That statement is the purpose of the preaching this morning. It's, this, it's the purpose of the preaching of God's word every morning. The statement is the purpose of the public gathering of the church each and every Lord's day. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in His name. What a simple purpose statement for life, isn't it? That you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in His name. In our text this morning, we will see that Jesus is the way in which a believer has peace with God. It is the way in which a believer lives in the peace of God. There's peace with God and then there's the peace of God. That Jesus is the life-giving spirit. He is the substance of things hoped for. He is the evidence of things not seen. All that is written, all that is written from cover to cover in the scriptures is that you might believe. That you might believe, and by believing, you might have life in his name. And this is why at this church, in this fellowship, the primary focus of everything that we gather and we do here is primarily centered on the preaching of God's word. Because the preaching of God's word is the instrument through which God imparts the life-giving spirit of Christ. It is where through the preaching of the word that the life-giving spirit of Christ imparts to those who would hear, those whom God has chosen, the gift of faith that they would believe. And all of that according to His divine mercy and His grace. 
So let us dive in to the text uh, more closely. Let's, let's consider verses uh, 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and he showed him his side. And then the disciples, they were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. To get us here, to get us background and context of where we are in this passage. See, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. His legs, they were not broken as would have been contrary to the practice of crucifixion, but which affirms the scriptures that says not one will be broken and that he is indeed the perfect lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of God's people. His side was pierced. Blood and water flowed from his side, confirming that he was indeed dead and he was buried in a tomb. Three days later, they have come, and they see that the tomb is empty. Angels have testified that he is risen from the dead. He showed himself to Mary. He spoke her name, and she knew the voice of her master. And for her and for all who have heard the voice of the master, hope then is alive, because the fact of the matter is, is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And now here we are in this room, in that evening, on that day, and the disciples, are they're still not convinced of what the empty tomb really means. You see, the Jewish leaders are spreading rumors that the disciples have been are out there perpetuating some sort of fraud, that, that they want people to believe that erroneously that, that he is risen, that he is the Messiah, so they have stolen the body. This is what they're saying. But they want, so they're, they're saying that they've manipulated things so that they can convince people that Jesus is indeed the Christ. And on the evening of the third day, here we are, after his death and after his burial, the disciples, they're hiding behind a locked door for fear of the Jews, for fear that the Jews will come in, get them, arrest them, that they might suffer the same things that Jesus did just due to their association with him. But Jesus, having been sown an earthly body, was raised a spiritual body. And the transformed Jesus appears to his disciples through a locked door. And here in this opening section, section twice of three, the first two times, Jesus greets the disciples with these words, Peace be with you. It is a customary practice among the Jews to greet one another in that way. Shalom. Peace as a kind of a hello, as kind of a way of saying, um, I presume that all is well with you. But Jesus saying peace be with you is more than just a passing hello. It is more than just a passing hello. In verse 21, he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 
Peace be with you. We should notice that when Jesus says, peace be with you, what follows is the Great Commission. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And see, the beginning of evangelism is just that right there. The beginning of evangelism for the disciples will be to proclaim that without faith in Jesus Christ, there is no peace. Internally nor outwardly, there is no peace. Jesus' proclamation of peace says that to them, peace be with you. Think about this. You cannot give away that which you do not possess. If you are proclaiming the gospel of peace, you must possess the gospel of peace that you have been uh, appropriated. You have, have, have grasped and grabbed a hold of the death of Jesus Christ as peace with God. And the peace of God is with you. And this is what you're proclaiming, that peace with God can be had through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peace with God can be had. This is the gospel of peace. My peace I give to you. My peace I send with you. That, that is, Jesus is saying a lot here. My peace I, that I have, my peace with God, my peace of God that I live my life in, I give to you. I am sending you with this peace. See, this greeting, peace be with you, is twofold. Peace with God and the peace of God going with you. Jesus' declaration to the disciples is, the peace of God, peace with God, has been accomplished by my death on a cross. You who were once at enmity with God have been made, I have made peace with God through my death on your behalf. The peace of God is communicate also to the disciples. Fear not. Fear not the Jews. Be of good courage. I'm sending you to declare my gospel of peace. My peace that I give you inwardly and outwardly. See, it is just as if in Matthew's gospel for the Great Commission says, Lo, I am with you even to the end of this age. In this world there will be trouble, but be of good cheer. Peace with God has been made. My death and resurrection has overcome that enmity that you once had with God. Be of good cheer. My peace I give to you. And as you go to fulfill what it is that you have been commissioned and commanded by the word of God to do is to go and make disciples. As you go, I go with you. The peace of God goes with you, proclaiming the gospel of peace. I would ask this morning, do you have peace with God? Have you come to the cross and seen the wrath of God poured out upon His sinless Son for your sin? Have you realized that the fulfillment of Scripture, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And that it comes only, the peace with God only comes through the Son of God who received that punishment on a cross. I want us to understand this, that this is where our evangelism begins in the world is that all who are not, at, or who are not in Christ Jesus, all who are not in Christ Jesus are indeed at war with God. They are at war with God. 
They may not think that they're outwardly fighting God, but they are indeed at war with God. And the wrath of God is upon them. And when he had said this, peace be with you, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus breathed the breath of God on them. The sons of Adam, born in his creaturely, sin-filled, dead to spiritual life nature, they were now given the life-giving spirit from the breath of God in the person of Jesus Christ. You might remember in the creation account, our first father, Adam, was given creaturely life. He was at peace with God. He was given creaturely life. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. But Adam sinned. And as we know, death is the wage of sin. And all who were born of Adam, that is, you and me, are in Adam as Romans 5, 12 tells us. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Since all men have died because of the transgression of Adam, remember what John says to Nicodemus in chapter 3. You must be born again. 1 Corinthians tells us this. 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us this. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And you remember when Pilate announced and he had Jesus up there, this is the second Adam he's claiming without claiming it, without knowing what he's talking about. And he says, behold the man. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, he died for sinners. He paid the debt required for sinners. And God raised him from death to life, transforming him a body sown as we are, sown now into a spiritual body. And he imparts the breath of God that brings new life to a repentant believer. Without the breath of the Spirit of God, without the Spirit of God, without the breath of the Spirit of God, one will not believe. One will be unwilling to repent. One will be incapable, incapable of understanding the word of God. One will be unable to please God. And Jesus breathes this new life into the disciples and commends them to preach the good news, the gospel of peace. And notice verse 23 says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He's saying here, not basically that these guys have the power to forgive sin. Who has the power to forgive sin? God and God alone has the power to forgive sin. But what he's saying here is preach the forgiveness of sin. Preach that forgiveness can be had. Preach the good news. Preach the good news that if anyone will repent and believe, you can confidently tell them that Christ has secured forgiveness through his death on a cross. You can confidently say that. 
You can confidently say that through repentance and faith, that enmity that was once between you and God has been removed by Jesus' death. Peace with God has been secured through his death and resurrection. Conversely, Jesus is telling the disciples that without repentance and faith in Jesus Christ's death for sin, that the disciples can confidently communicate that for the unrepentant sinner, the wrath of God remains in them. The peace of God eludes your grasp. The gospel of peace becomes good news for the repentant. But the gospel that proclaims the good news, that sin can be paid for, that sin has been paid for, that, that, calls, that calls a person to repent and believe that this same good news is actually the judgment of God for the unrepentant. It is the judgment of God for the unrepentant. Because the moment happens, you know, even in Mark's gospel as Jesus comes on the scene and he says, repent and believe the gospel. The, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It leaves somebody in that moment with a moment of crisis. There is a moment of crisis right there. And he's telling them, you go and, and preach the, the, the gospel of peace. Preach forgiveness for sins, that it's available, that it's there in, in the person of Jesus. You preach the forgiveness of sin. And in that moment, that's a moment of crisis for the individual hearing it. If I repent and believe, the kingdom of God is for me. Peace with God can be had. The peace of God will guide my life. But in that moment, in that same moment, the unrepentant sinner is left with what? The judgment of God. The truth has been proclaimed. The word has been proclaimed in your hearing. And there you're, you're in that moment. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. So now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. Unless. You may have heard Thomas referred to as doubting Thomas. It's true there was doubts in him. But it's somewhat of a, a misnomer when you really look at this passage. As we look at Thomas's words, it says he's determined not to believe. I will not believe. He's determined to not believe. And then he places conditions on his faith. Unless I see, unless I touch, I will not believe. I refuse to believe the testimony of angels. I refuse to believe the testimony of the women. I will not even accept the words of my brothers who have come to bear witness to the truth. But before we hang too much on Thomas, we must remember that faith in Jesus Christ is a gift. It is a gift according to God's mercy and grace. And all of us are among those who have 
or are currently suppressing the truth of God and unrighteousness. Each of us has had a heart that at one time refused to believe. Not only did we refuse to believe, but we were unable. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. If you are one here this morning that has not received the gift of faith, if you're looking for something that, that you need to see, something that you need to touch in order to believe, know this, what you're trying to do is to determine the terms of your peace with God. You are saying, I will be at peace with God if he does this. Then I will believe. You're trying to negotiate your own terms, as Thomas was here. These are my terms with which I will believe. And here's the thing. If you're trying to negotiate terms with God that God has not provided for you in the person of Jesus, guess what? Uh, peace with God will continue to elude you. Peace with God comes by faith. It comes by faith through grace as a free gift of God. Salvation is the work of God alone so that no man may boast before him. The preaching of the word of God that you're hearing this morning is not just Jeff sitting up here spouting something. It is, it is actually the spirit of God working through the preached Word of God this morning, that it is the God-breathed Word of God. Do you want the breath of God to be breathed upon you like Jesus breathed upon you? Open your ears and hear the breath of God is, is, is being proclaimed right here. The breath of God is coming out of these scriptures and onto you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the breath of God proclaimed to you. Jesus breathing on you, not me, me communicating to you what the Spirit has, has revealed in the Scriptures concerning the person of Jesus Christ breathed upon you. It's the breath of God that will save you. That is why preaching the Word of God is, is, the, is the thing that, that, that God uses to communicate through His Holy Spirit concerning Christ. And it imparts the gift of life through faith. And it is according to God's immeasurable grace that this happens. Why? Because listen to what Romans 10, 17 says, right? We all know this passage. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Some of your texts might say the word of God. It is the word of God concerning his Christ. It is the word of God concerning the death of Jesus Christ for sin. It is the word of God concerning his resurrection from the dead. It is the word of God concerning the life-giving spirit that is found in Jesus Christ. I will never believe, Thomas says, unless, well, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, 
but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. It's the substance of things. Here is faith. Jesus knows the heart of every man. He knows the frailty of all humankind. He knows the inability of the debilitating sin that belongs to those for whom he died. And thus, he meets Thomas right where he is. And he declares to Thomas what he declared to the other disciples. Peace with God has been made. My death has secured your peace. Touch and see that I am the one who died and set you free. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas's eyes have been opened. And he declares, my Lord and my God. He's gone from doubt and determined unbelief comes perhaps the greatest testimony in John's gospel. From doubt and determined unbelief, he says, my Lord and my God. Certainly the word Lord was used concerning Christ by others often, but it was often used with less than its full meaning. Thomas here says, Jehovah, my sovereign, my master. It is a surrendered Thomas to Jesus as his personal savior. His proclamation is to willingly submit to his personal master. His proclamation is to worship Jesus Christ as the God of all creation. My Lord and my God. Thomas is given the gift of faith. The gospel of peace with God and the peace of God has been received by God's grace through the gift of faith. The substance of Thomas' belief is more than what he has touched and seen. It's more than having touched the body. It's more than have pierced the, the, the holes with his fingers. It's more than having put his hand into his side. God has acted upon his soul and he believes and he believes by faith. It is the substance of this proclamation. It is faith that says, my Lord and my God. It is what Hebrews 11.1 1 refers to, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He has been given the gift of faith. And then notice verse 29, the blessing of faith that Jesus declares here. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Did you know that the Bible is filled with far more blessings than curses? Jesus here says, The blessed person, the blessed life, belongs to the one who believes. If you're a note taker, you might want to take these notes down. There are 10 blessings of faith that James Boyce lists out as the 10 blessings of faith in Jesus Christ from John's gospel. Number one, it is by faith that we become children of God. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. It's a blessing of faith, isn't it? Number two, it is through faith that we have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, death is an enemy, but death will be conquered by faith. And death conquered by faith, it is that which unites us to Jesus Christ who actually conquered it. By faith, we are delivered from judgment. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Faith also ushers in spiritual satisfaction in the here and now. John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Faith is the means by which we enter into the final resurrection. From John 11.25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Faith is also how we become a blessing to others. In John 7, 38 and 39, it says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. If what flows through the believer by faith outwardly, what a blessing that is to others flowing through you. Through faith, we see the glory of God. John eleven forty. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Faith is the secret to a holy life. John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The blessing of a fruitful and effective life comes by faith. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Through faith, we also receive the benefits of Jesus' prayers for us. In John 17, 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Let us look again at the purpose statement of the book, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And here we are on this Lord's Day. And on every Lord's Day, I hope that this is the aim of everyone who gets up here to preach God's Word. We preach the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-powered Word of God concerning Jesus Christ.
We preach Jesus Christ, the life-giving Spirit who died for sins, who died for the sins of those who died with the first Adam, that by believing in the Son of God raised from the dead, that all who hear by God's grace would receive the gift of faith and be raised with Christ to spiritual life in His name. And I would ask the Lord right now, God, by your grace and mercy, would you breathe new life into dead souls? Would you grant them the gracious gift of faith in the mighty name of Jesus, the Son of God, the Sovereign Master, the life-giving Spirit? And Father, I do pray for those who... maybe somewhat like Thomas and have doubts that you would remind them that your death has secured their peace. That they would see the cross again. That they would see their sin on the cross punished. And that that punishment for sin made peace with holy God. May you remind us all, Lord, this week that we go in the peace of God, that God's peace is with us, that God's peace goes before us as we follow the Lord Jesus. May you also remind our hearts this week that the Spirit of God has been breathed into us. That there is for us new life. That there are things that we have now, the power to lay down for the sake of God's glory and grace. We have the power to do so by the Spirit that you have breathed into us. Remind us that we have been born again. Not born again to the same old life, but born again to a brand new life. Remind us of that this week.